You're listening to the Greening Out Podcast. This show contains profanity, hate for the state, and themes of a libertarian nature. If you are easily offended, please listen to something else. For more, visit greeningoutpodcast.co.uk. Hi, I'm Katie Green. I am Dan Green. Welcome back to the Greening Out Podcast. So welcome back to the Greening Out Podcast and today we'll be doing the Alice Autopsy. Katie's all excited. Over I really there. am. This is, she's actually wanted to do this show since we first started the podcast. This was, was one of our initial sort of ideas for was, a show to do but it's taken us this long. It's scribbled in a notebook um, that we have in the living room <laughs> and it just says uh, there's a lot of different notes and one of them is Alice Autopsy. So <laughs> uh, We decided we were both going to read the book all the way through. Yeah, yeah, we were both going to sit down and actually read the book from cover to cover. We have done that. Um, yeah, so, no, know. we absolutely have. Um, just to just to like refresh ourselves and stuff, and also to make notes because contrary to what some people may think, we do prepare a little bit for these shows. Yes, and if you didn't know what we meant by Alice Autopsy, we're talking about Alice oh, in Wonderland, I should the probably, like, children's yeah. classic by Lewis Carroll. I should probably like see what the book is. I just assume everybody <laughs> knows what Alice refers to. Katie, okay, we don't have any trouble getting any copies. Tell well, us why. Okay. So, um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, a friend of mine and I were at a charity shop, uh, or just a, like a thrift store, I suppose, would be the American equivalent. Mm-hmm. And I saw a copy of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and it was an annotated copy, mm-hmm. um, which meant it had like all the notes in it. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. And mm-hmm. it's, I've got it in front of me right here. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought that, and then I bought another copy about a week later, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to try and get like as many different um, copies of the book I could so it came like a little hobby uh, mm. and then it came a little bit of an obsession so now there's a rule in this house that if Dan myself or the dog goes or the dog the dog's the included in the, the rules man in the rules, yeah. he's part of the family if it ever comes to be um, yes if any of us are in a charity shop or a thrift store we need to check and see if there is a copy of Alice present mm-hmm. and if it is we must purchase it unless it's one of the copies she already owns because now Katie that does has happen. Well, they go back quite far you've you some early ones and then some sort of later ones you've got a lot of more recent ones and Obviously, then sort of yeah. every time they pick out a new edition you're always interested in yes <laughs> so um, I, I, right now I think we're at about 15 copies I think I don't know I haven't really so did you enjoy it as a child well, you see, this is now. We and can were I, talking about can this I say, we will talk about Lewis Carroll and things like that later. Oh, yeah, we but, absolutely are, yes. But we're going to talk about kind of the story first. But let's, do you remember being a fan of it as a child, to or was on, it more the cartoon? To be honest with you, I remember Walt Disney's version. Mm-hmm. I think it was 1951. 51, or, I think it was, yeah. 51. 51. Um, Walt Disney did a version. And I mean, I, I liked it because mm-hmm. it was sort of a Disney, it was nice, it was all very nice. But we they decided cut a not lot to rewatch that. I'm just, no. I'm just making that point just now. We decided not to rewatch that for the purpose of this show because for the purpose of this we show we want to just keep it to, to, to the, the li- to the literary sort of works mm-hmm. as opposed to the um disney's uh version of it because actually in that in the disney film they cut out a heck of a lot mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of it is cut out 
So and there, there will be there will be spoiler alerts in this. Oh yeah, for anybody yeah. that doesn't know the story of Alice in mean, Wonderland. Come on, if great. <laughs> it's been out for a long time, okay? Since like before you were born, statistically I'm imagining it is It was printed in eighteen sixty five. Right, it was first so, published in eighteen sixty five. So if you haven't read it by now, let's face it, you're not going to. Right. So And also if you've seen Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, please bear in mind that that's not actually Alice in Wonderland. That's a takeoff on it. That's Alice as she's older as and an adult, it's a different story. Revisiting Wonderland or Underland. And we might even need to talk about that in a different show because I we're going to cram a, a lot show. in. I think Together. we're going to. I think we might even do it through the looking glass as well. But yeah. Katie, did you do you remember as no, a child? As I, I was, as I was going to say, I do not remember. I remember there being remarks like references made because we used to play croquet mm-hmm. in my cousin Sarah's backyard. Oh God, the croquet scene and is awful in the story, but we'll get we'll get into that. Absolutely <laughs> horrific. Um, no, but what, what I was um, saying is, I actually don't really remember it being introduced to me as a child, apart from the Disney film. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point I read like a edited children's version but no apart from that i do not remember it being a big part of my childhood or anything it's 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 a pretty disturbing story if you actually get the full unabridged version um it's pretty weird and obscure for anybody that doesn't know um it's i think kind of why i like it um The thing with me is, I think I got read it as a child, but I'm not really sure. But kind of think of those stories you just knew. I got a kind of, I got sort of interested in it again when I was like sort of a teenager, and I started to get into sort of psychedelic music. And when I first heard White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane, you know, that's when I kind of started getting interested again in the symbology and that because obviously then. Funnily enough, this book Mm. that was like a kids' book from 1865, because of the heavy use of like. Really surreal and kind of bizarre imagery. It kind of got linked a bit into also the 1960s sort of psychedelic scene. How deeply philosophical it is. Because mm. um, Lewis Carroll himself, and we will talk more about him later, but he yeah. was also like a mathematician and like a deacon and stuff He's like that. He's a bit that. of an eccentric character, I would, I would <laughs> to say. To say the least. Just, <laughs> just a touch. But let's talk a bit about, uh, do you want to talk a bit about the book then? I mean, I was surprised actually at the start because the fall... I always imagined the fall was just like she falls a bit down a hole and then she's in some weird place, sort of like in Narnia, sort of like stepping through the cupboard and then they're in Narnia sort of thing. But like the fall actually in the book goes on for quite a few pages and it's quite detailed because she's actually quite slow. She's able to actually pick things off shelves and stuff as she's going down. So that's the the fall um obviously going down the rabbit hole but then just as sorry just as well sorry just you bring up the fall uh-huh it's just the funnier you see the fall because now yeah. like we have in christianity the idea of the fall like the sort of thing where you had this perfect edenic existence with god okay, and then Dan, there was you're, the fall of right, man you're at like you're at chapter 25 i need you at <laughs> chapter one okay Right, I'm back in chapter one. You're back Let's with us. Let's talk about reincarnation then. Okay, yeah, I was just about to say, one of the things I... Right, so, basically she falls down this rabbit hole for anybody who's not familiar with the story of Alice in Wonderland, because it's so little, you know, it's so unknown. Um, <laughs> for anybody who's not familiar, she falls, uh, she falls a white rabbit and falls down a rabbit hole, and um, there's quite a journey. I, I highly recommend you that you go read it. This book is not long. It's Dan not and really, I did this no. today, yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's, not not, it's not long at all. Um... So this part of the book, it's quite early on. Alice is uh, referring to when she drinks the bottle that says drink me. Um, she she takes a sip and she shrinks. Kids drinking bottles are random stuff. I know. <laughs> well, it does say drink me. And she does she does ponder upon this. She does wonder, am I doing she, the right thing? But she, she act, does come to a logical you're conclusion. You're right, she actually does do that. Yeah. So she actually does think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyway, she shr- she's shrinking down and she mm-hmm. actually says to herself... 
um, that, you know, I'm going to actually read a little blurb uh, from the book. She felt a little nervous about this, her shrinking, for it might end, you know, said Alice to herself, in my going out altogether, like a candle. I wonder what I would be like then, and she tried to fancy what the flame of a candle is like after the candle is blown out, for she could not remember ever having seen such a thing. Now, is that not like reincarnation? Like, do you not, like, where do you go after you die? Well, what were you before you were born? Well, it's funny because, like, I read on Wikipedia that it's also to do with, like, the concept of limits. That bit oh, I read yeah, on Wikipedia, like, like maths, yeah, because he was a mathematician. It's like a yeah. concept of limit. But what I got from that personally was, as soon as she starts, she starts sort of like as soon as Lewis Carroll mentions the candle, I thought yeah. of you know, there's these old kind of Buddhist sayings, and you know, there's like you can't step in the same river twice, and the whole idea is because the it's not the same water all the time. It's constantly flowing and moving we're constantly changing yeah and in a lot of the buddhist and that type of eastern mm-hmm. literature you get a lot of stuff about how we're constantly aflow and see even if you want to take this to science mm-hmm. you could even say that genetically you know if you look at a photograph of yourself you simultaneously are and are not the same person you are in a way that people identify you as that person but even all your cells and things have changed and renewed so you're always yeah. reincarnating you're always changing your mind's always developing yeah. your body's always changing and some people use the idea of of the flame and the candle because that flame is it's not one thing like it's because it's a constant it's constantly in motion and it's yeah. constantly burning out and you I know I understand what you're saying so absolutely th- yeah. I know people will go you're reading too much into it but it's you know because the way that you're you up a show. the way that you're acting it's like you're trying to convince me I'm like I agree with you <laughs> no it's just that's how I like to do it but yeah. that made me think it so see when you said to me I thought of reincarnation. It's funny uh, because I had so. the exact same yeah. idea. Yeah, because that's what I got from the sort of flame imagery. Yeah, well, it's really funny as well because obviously Alice is supposed to be like a very young girl. Mm. You know, yeah. um, uh, she's not supposed to be any older than what I don't know. Did it ever mention her age? Was not it really. Not? And she seems like she's a kind of like a bit middle class. She keeps talking about things she's learned and yeah. stuff like that. But we also find out very early and in, in the first chapter as well that like she's got some problems with herself. She doesn't she's not got a lot of confidence it's uh, like she uh, Alice. we find out she tries to play she likes to play games and play two characters so it says she likes mm-hmm. to play two different people yeah it also says that like um she would like she would sometimes make herself cry and one time she tried to box her own ears and stuff because she doesn't she didn't follow like her own advice because yeah. she's always giving herself advice and then not following and getting really angry at herself yeah. And we see that straight away in the but first that's, chapter. That's a common thing, and that's a big thing about logical fallacies and stuff and living out. Do, do you not agree? In what way? Well, you kind of you contradict yourself. You get very angry at yourself. You give it, you give yourself this advice, mm-hmm. and you don't follow you don't it. Follow, yeah, everyone does that. Everyone does but that though. Like lo- I do it. I did it today. That's a particular logical fallacy. I can't remember the name of it, but it is that if it's to say that someone's wrong because they're a hypocrite. So, yeah. for example, if I say to you, murder is wrong, and then I go and stab someone, it's a logical fallacy to say then, because I said murder is wrong and I stabbed someone, that murder's not wrong. Just because I'm a hypocrite doesn't make the fact, doesn't change yeah. the fact that murder's wrong, you know? Yeah. So that's actually a fallacy in itself. I can't remember mm. which one it's called. I think it's too quirky or something, but I'll look it up. I don't know. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, hi. Interesting side note. But she does <laughs> give herself an incredibly hard time. Uh-huh. And the fact she's supposed to be a young woman, it's very, mm. very funny because it's obviously Lewis Carroll speaking through mm. this. This is his mm-hmm. sort of, t- this is his mind, obviously, and mm-hmm. his thoughts. He's not writing from the point of view of a young, a young lady. He's never been a young lady. He's never been a young girl. Do you find it's a convincing 
point of view for a no, young no. lady to have. I know no, you grew up at a completely different, different time, I can't obviously, say, but like... I can't say that because, yeah, I grew up in a different time. But sometimes I can read things that are from a long time ago and see common things that understand, like, common themes, but well, I like... I see common themes, obviously, in the fact that she's incredibly confused, and it's confusing being a young child anyway. Most mm-hmm. of the time, you don't really know what, it, what mm-hmm. the fuck anything is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did we not? I mean... That's true, and yeah. we actually see her... Like, chapter one and two, we kind of see her beating herself up a bit, you know, like I was... There's a lot, a lot of that is just inner commentary. She basically falls a rabbit down a hole, uh, drinks something and eats stuff. You know, she's, she's got some dosage <laughs> problems. She has got some dosage. Like this, that's yeah. a kind of common theme in this as well. It's like she's Dosing. constantly trying to get her dose right yeah. to, you know, like to see how big she is. How, almost how high or how, how low. How high or how low she can get. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have that in my notes, yeah. Did you put that down? I did. Well? I wrote that in my notes, and she has no sense of self. She's mm-hmm. te- she's always sort of going on like the 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 most basic of questions is who are you, and you would say your name. But in this, Alice can't even fathom that. Yeah, because even like really early on, um, she keeps saying, "Well, who am I?" Because like I'm not the same. Have Person I changed? As o- I was she says, yesterday. "Like yeah, have I changed yeah. overnight?" And then she's. This who am I and who are you thing comes up all throughout the book, but it starts there. Yeah. And when it starts, she's saying, oh, she's like talking about her friends, like her friend Ada and stuff, you know, and she's saying, am I her? Am I like, because now that seems to be where her mind goes first, like this who am I question, which is such a central question. I mean, what a profound question. It sounds like it's the simplest thing in the world, but it's not even remotely. And she would say like the whole thing, that argument that you could apply to that is when you were saying she wants to be like, she was saying, well, I'm not Ada. Mm-hmm. Um, Ada's a young girl, as is Alice, but the whole thing of, well, how do you define a table? A table has four legs. A dog has four legs. Is a dog a table? Mm-hmm. You know, Dan, we've sort of had that conversation before. How do you define mm-hmm. something? Yeah, of course. Yeah. How, how uh, do you? And that sort of brings all that up. And then this whole stuff of like um who am i you know that gets back to because i've talked a lot in this show about like how people will conflate what they do with who they are and i would argue that who you are and like what you do is something different or what your hobbies are is something different like you say i'm a golfer that's a hobby or it may be a job you know you could say i'm an accountant whatever that's not what you are that's what you are doing and so see this this question who am i it's it's a yeah. it sounds like the simplest question in the world but it's actually the most profound i heard oh, i can't remember the guru's name it was a story about this guru and people would come to him they'd say i want to learn from you mm. and he would say like well what do you want to know and they would say i want to attain enlightenment or whatever and he would go who is asking you know, and then they, that would sort of. But that forces someone to then sort of. Because they'd be like, because they'd be like, I'm asking, but he'd yeah. be like, like the caterpillar. Who, who are you? Yeah, that's what he'd say. He'd say, well, who are well, you? Well, on that note, I should just say, um, chapter two, we're sort of jumping into now with the theme of who, of who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's, she's sort of going, how do I define myself? Um, is it about what I know, what I feel? what I have, etc. Um, as she's actually pondering all of this, who she is, she's actually shrinking and crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd kind of find that out a little bit later on. So that's interesting. As, as she's, there's this internal dialogue going constantly, and then you find out she's actually been shrinking and crying 
See, when she starts crying, yeah. it's funny. There's a bit in there and she's like, tell me who I am. She's almost like, you know, like, I don't know who I am. It's like she's having an existential crisis. And she's like, she's actually, no, she's actually saying, she said, I'll, I'll stay down here until I'm such, like, she takes the huff at this point. She yeah. goes in a big huff and she, she says, well, fine, I'll stay huff. down here until I'm someone else. Yeah. And I think, and that's when she starts crying, like you said, and then she yeah. starts shrinking at that But point. it's interesting how uh, the fact that this was supposed to be a really enjoyable um, kid story so I'm told. So I've read. This was supposed to be a. Ch- this this was supposed to be a story for the children so to enjoy. The media. Uh, no, but this was like the whole thing of Alice Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was something that Lewis Carroll had written for, you know, someone else. Um. Anyway, we will get more into that later, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, no, it's quite interesting how the themes of it are quite disturbing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, the scenes that it conjures up are quite disturbing. Um. As well as the fact that it's sort of this whole thing of her drowning in her own tears. It's like she's drowning in her self-pity. But she never mentions parents. There's no adults. No. She talks about her Her sister. sister And her cat all the time. And her cat Dina. And that's it. There's no no adults. There's no Mm -hmm. adults that sort of live in the world apart from obviously the king and the red queen and we will get to them later yeah um but, but they're not really adults because they're sort of like are they not they're, they're just, not like overgrown playing cards really? yeah really, well technically uh-huh but it's, it's really interesting though because she's almost like and she always gives herself a really hard time for crying and she's like pull yourself together yeah, yeah, yeah. God she, damn it, Alice, you're a winner. <laughs> but that's kind of what it's like, isn't it? It's like, damn it, Alice, get it together. Remember the tapes, Alice. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Don't uh, steal my jokes. No, I'm not stealing your jokes. I'm, I'm paying homage to your jokes. Homage. But what is kind of funny, and I sort of got it straight away, is like, after like her and all those, suddenly all these animals show up in her lake of tears. And a dodo. Yeah, exactly. They are extinct. But when they all get out, they're talking about drying off. And it's like the mouse yeah. starts talking about William the Conqueror, and, and it's, like it's a very dry. It's story. really, uh, and then he asks very if she's drawl. dry yet, and she's still wet. So I think it's a kind of. But that bad that, sort that, of that probably constituted as good humor at that time. Yeah, because as we know, humor's gotten funnier through the years. Yeah. What what was funny then, and I doubt would be funny now. She kind of seems to be perceived as a bit of an odd creature among them as well. These yeah. they're quite interested. Like I mean, the other animals in it, they're quite interested. Like she's the strange one, and she seems yeah. to kind of accept this. Maybe in the way only a child or a really really high person would, because like mm. she just kind of accepts that. Okay, this now is I'm life, tall. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm really short. Now there's a mouse talking to me. You know. See, I sort of took it as like a dog because dogs just live in, totally in the moment. Mm-hmm. Dogs mm-hmm. don't, and then again, another another Buddhistic sort of concept—the well, concept that, does, the concept yeah. that um, past and future are just merely abstractions because nothing ever happened in the past. When anything did happen, it was it was the in present. the present moment, and when anything will happen, it will be the, the present. And, so, the past and future are just sort of ideas; they're not actual things. Yeah, like yeah. mental abstractions, uh-huh, abstract concepts, because they don't yeah. exist in any real reality. It's when only ever the present happened. moment. I get it. I know I've said that before, saying. but I like saying it. What, what was it, John Lennon? Life is what happens when you're making other plans or something to that effect. And then in the office, obviously, he said he also said, what was it? <laughs> it's the office and he said he also said, I am the walrus, I am the Eggman, cuckoo, cuckoo. So I don't know what to believe. And on that note, <laughs> I don't know what to believe. So basically, um, so in Alice's own mind, there's so much conflict and disagreement. Um, there's no, There's no mention of home. Uh, usually in these sort of weird kid stories like the Wizard of Oz where someone finds themselves in a magical far off land away from home there's always this thing of home mm-hmm. home this it's yearning in, to go back to home it's seen in Peter Pan the, the Wizard of Oz I'm trying to think of other sort of 
Alice fairy doesn't tale seem stories. that. I mean, she's she does, confu- she's not fussed. She seems more confused about who she is than trying to get back to any kind of parental figure. But uh, that's that's that runs all it's through. Quite because an anarchistic sort of libertarian. She thing. doesn't like being told what to do. That's a running theme, and we will mention it at different points because she it comes up quite a lot. Um, she keeps saying like things like, oh, "I've never been to such a place where people tell me what to do" and things like this, yeah. you know. And she really doesn't like it. And even we'll see later on when she's faced with the king and the queen, and the queen in particular has a penchant for being heading folks and she well, Alice doesn't Alice talks to her like, like I don't care you. yeah but like yeah. only a little girl could but we were kind of talking we were around about chapter three chapter four sort yeah, of there I'm kind of we are jumping ahead with the beheading stuff but can I just say that to me sounds a lot like lobotomizing I think there is that the, uh, yeah tell off, us about this this was interesting when you no, said this to me earlier the whole thing with off with their head is if you listen to it it's like when the hatter is telling a story of um what have I can't remember exactly what page. Anyway, I have it in my notes. Read the story yourself. You'll see. Yeah, fuck you, read it when, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> when the, the hatter's sort of telling everybody what happened, um, with him and the queen, um, basically he was sentenced to to off with his head by the queen at an event for uh for failing to make good of the time or something like that. So basically he was boring her and um off with off with his head. So Basically, he alludes to the fact that that happened, and then he said, and ever since then, <laughs> it's always been tea time, it's always six o'clock. Right, it's almost so it's almost like he's mental. Like, like, after that, he was mental. She obviously didn't chop off his head. And there's a few references to the fact that nobody ever actually gets killed. Yeah, well... There's a few references. It comes it's up in, see in chapter that, that's nine, all. that's the mock turtle story. Um, and jumping I mean, ahead, but... Yeah. I know I'm jumping ahead, but just because we're talking about Stay this in general, me. I think it's I think it's important. Okay. Um, it's like the kind of mock turtle story is chapter nine, and then mm-hmm. that's where we kind of, we end up meeting the, the griffon. The griffon. Yes, the griffon. I'm I going call it griffon as in Peter Griffin. Griffon. But like... It's a griffon. Right, so Alice is talking to the Griffin, right? And yes. So, the are, Griffin, are we really jumping ahead here? Yeah, I'm just going to read this one bit, just because, just, just to, the one bit, just to back up what you said about I, this I idea concur. of lobotomy. So, I concur. The Griffin sat up and rubbed its eyes. Then it watched the Queen till she was out of sight. Then it chuckled. What fun said the Griffin, half to itself, half to Alice? What's the fun said Alice? Why she said the Griffin? It's all her fancy that they never execute anybody. You know, come on. Well, that just adds credence to my idea that she just turns them mad. There's a lot of mad people mm-hmm. in Wonderland. But then Sorry, I've, a lot of mad creatures and animals. But then I've got different ideas about it, because I was wondering if he was just apologising for the Queen or not. Could it be that we are reading far too much into this? That's exactly what we I are really doing, care. but I think I really as long care. as we recognise that... I think as long as we... Then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're just taking this and extrapolating, because yeah, well. it's an interesting book. Um, you can take a lot away from it because there's a lot of um, bits to do with logic in it that we'll get to as well. Yeah, um, and there's also a lot to do with minding your own fucking business mm, in this book. A lot yeah. of it is like Alice seems to argue with a lot of these creatures and characters, and a lot of it seems to be on the basis of, well, if you you know what what watch what you say. If we jump to chapter five, which is kind of where we are anyway, kind of talking through it. That's when she meets the caterpillar and. He would think that the caterpillar would play a bigger part in this, mm. but he really doesn't at all. He, play, he plays like a very minuscule role yeah. in the entire well, book. Well, you can argue that, or you could say that the caterpillar starts her off mm-hmm. on this sort of weird journey. Up till now, it's been a wee bit erratic. But she's she just does sort of a- running around. Yeah, well, she does ask herself who she is before because she actually changed. brings it up. And the 
chapter five is called advice from a caterpillar and he just asks her who are you and it's the whole thing of of who am i i mean that's is that not earlier i mean mean, that's the that's the age-old thing you know that's why anybody goes profound question you can ask i think that's why people go to self-help sections at bookshops and things like that which by the way there's totally a show in that because dan and i were talking about that earlier and i think that we have to do a you know a self-help there is some some uh, good self-help stuff out there and some really bad self-help stuff you know i'm I'm talking about the bad stuff yeah (laughs) we we could actually contrast the good with the bad to show we could but anyway the (laughs) advice from a caterpillar he's smoking a hookah pipe i wonder what type of people would have 1865 this came out is the hookah is it not like a libertine you know when they had those parties it was all very sexual and did they not smoke was it not was it opium Am I getting that mixed up? Because I think there would have I, I been remember. people that smoked opium, but like, yeah. I don't know if they're just doing it to make the caterpillar seem exotic. Maybe it's to make him seem yeah, like he's from a faraway place. Maybe it's just to give the whole credence. And here's the interesting bit because he's asking team. her like, "Who are you?" and stuff, and she's getting kind of angry about this. Like, she's not too pleased about it, no. like Alice. And then she doesn't like being and, poked. But at, then she know? says to him, "Well, when you." you know, go through the process where you like basically turn into a butterfly. Yeah. Will you not be bothered by that? And yeah. he says no, like that he doesn't fear that change. So yeah. then are we talking about death there that like death is like a change because, you know, Lewis Carroll was a minister. He doesn't fear that it's almost like Yeah. Because it's like a new life. If you want to take it from that perspective, it's yeah. like he's this sort of caterpillar just now, but then that part of him will die he and become be something, something else. almost something celestial, almost like an angel. There's almost like an angel image in there because he's like he can he only crawl wings. about and then yeah. he have wings and stuff. There's almost like that a sort of thing. Kind of thing. Yeah, there's like that kind of thing that I noticed. So I kind of that strongly to yeah. me. But the that's what I mean by the caterpillar. I think even though technically it does play a small role in the book page wise yeah doesn't get a lot of page time but i think overall the caterpillar plays a mm-hmm. integral role and i actually have it tattooed to me so yeah. that's why i'm defending it <laughs> and even in that chapter yeah i'm not that you're right as well but even in that chapter she gets asked again who she is by the yeah. pigeon she now, meets a pigeon and then yeah. she gets asked yet again but this time she says she's a little girl but constantly through the through the book yeah. it's constantly who are you yeah. and she's struggling with that internally anyway and she seems like she's getting a little annoyed yeah. that everyone else is asking her well she never just goes i'm alice who are you no i mean she, she just, says she's a little girl very, to the pigeon but yeah, she mm. it's all very very obscure Mm-hmm. It's incredibly because strange. Because if I say you, I'm Daniel, what does that mean? If we really take it down, that well, doesn't mean it's anything. Just what it's just I that, perceive to be you. But that's just the name. Yeah. There's lots of people called Daniel and has been through history. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So what is Daniel? You know, that's. But I just think yeah, that's maybe reaching a bit far. It's an interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting theory. I'm just saying, you know. See, I don't really... See, we talk a little about the chapter that follows after that, chapter six, because that's where things take a bit of a kind of weird turn for me, mm-hmm. because you get presented to this chaotic house, and you've got, like, this duchess, and you've got a cook who's throwing pepper so much that, like, everyone's sneezing in the house. She's yeah. making a big pot of soup. Yeah. And it, there's a the duchess is sitting holding a baby, and the baby's sneezing from all this pepper. And she's and violently even, shaking the yeah, baby. And then the cook starts throwing stuff at yeah. the duchess and the baby. And yeah. then the baby seems to turn into a pig when Alice... Because there's a bit where Alice decides she needs to take the baby out of the house because she thinks yeah. it could be murder to leave it in there. That's like a morality <laughs> thing. But the duchess then later on talks about morality constantly. And she meets her later. 
but the Duchess is the one violently shaking, and I'm not making this up, it's like, it's in the book, violently shaking this baby every single time the baby sneezes, mm-hmm. and they have a little rhyme, and they all think it's quite funny, it's quite disturbing, actually. Because um, they, they, they say they beat the child, yeah. they've got this wee, this wee, wee rhyme, they sing about how about she beats the child when it sneezes. Because it sneezes, and, but it's only sneezing because the cook keeps putting pepper and everything, so um, it's pretty disturbing, um, and again, I say it's a kid's book. There's a, but there's quite a... I don't think this is a kid's book. <laughs> there's there's quite an interesting sort of libertarian statement in there as well because now we sometimes find from different characters in this book the mind your own business thing and for me yeah. for me that makes you think of libertarianism I think it's the the Sean Gab lecture libertarianism left or right when he says like mm-hmm. or not I don't think it was that I think it was an introductory one I listened to one mm-hmm. time but he said you know why am I a libertarian and he said largely it's because I want to be left alone and in that bit the Duchess said if everybody minded their own business. Um, she said in a horse growl, the, the world Ooh. would go round a, a <laughs> the world would go round a deal faster than it does. Mm-hmm. Although Alice says that's not an advantage, but she's thinking it'll actually go round. But like the Duchess is a bit of a cunt, though. Yeah, and see this, right? See, so here's this thing we, that they sing: speak roughly to your little boy and beat him when he sneezes. He only does it to annoy because he knows it teases. And this is a baby. And then yeah. the chorus, and this is the worst chorus ever, surely. The chorus is just wow, wow, wow. And it says the there cook, no and, the cook and the baby join in the chorus. <laughs> the baby joins in the and chorus the about him becomes, getting beaten. So then Alice decides it would be murder <laughs> if she's not. Out. What the fuck is wrong with this book? I know. I don't. It's bizarre. We will talk about Lewis Cattle later. So basically, we, yeah, we have Alice then takes this baby i guess it's supposed to be still at this point and then she takes it away and it becomes a fully formed pig and then she lets it go and she lets it go and that's how that story ends and it's really weird <laughs> it's just there's nothing more i can say about it it's incredibly incredibly bizarre it's but really i do funny. like the i do like the the bizarre mm-hmm. obviously yeah yeah no it's not it's, it's it is interesting i do like the surreal element to it absolutely I kind of wanted to bring up the fact as well that, see, when Alice leaves, like, the house with, like, um, the sort of, <laughs> with the baby that turns into the pig, in such Natu- a bizarre sense, naturally. literature, um, she's quite rude to the baby as well. She's quite mean to the baby because it's, like, grunting and stuff and she's, like, basically shouting at it. Now, I don't yeah. know if this is maybe, like, a Victorian thing because some people have said to me that a lot of the Victorians were kind of harsh with their children. Some people have said the harsh Victorian yeah. father is a bit of a caricature. I don't really know. I'm not a historian. Don't claim to be. But it is interesting that Alice is also yeah. quite mean towards the baby. And it's right at the end of that chapter. Well, actually, it's not at the end because we see the cat when she goes into the house. But it yeah. isn't that chapter that we meet the Cheshire cat, mm-hmm. who's a bit creepy and weird. The Cheshire cat is quite quite creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. I quite enjoy it. I've got a tattoo, again, of the, of, of the Cheshire cat. So I enjoy the Cheshire cat as a character. Oh, absolutely. But he's incredibly obscure. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. the fact that in Tim Burton's version, it should be noted that the Cheshire mm-hmm. cat was, the voice was done by Stephen Fry. And yeah, I thought he did quite a good job of it. I liked his Cheshire cat. I thought it was pretty I thought cool. it was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love the Cheshire cat. Like, like I say, I've got the tattoo and I regret nothing. <laughs> so, um, okay. So we've so got. There. So there. So we've got Alice and she's at sort of a, a crossing, if you will. Not really. She's at a tree. And uh, she comes across this cat. <laughs> That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. a crossing. No, wait, it's a tree. No, wait, it's a tree. Okay. Um, stop repeating what I'm saying. Stop right. repeating what I'm saying. No, we're not, play- we're not playing this We're game. not doing this again. You did this earlier. You climb over the table and, and murder me. And you had to go in the corner. me with a big smile on your you face. You had to go in the corner for five minutes and think about what you did. I'm just kidding. I that thought long and never- hard about that. <laughs> 
Okay. And I think I learned something. Right, enough. It's, it's too silly. So, okay, right, we were talking about Alice now. She's in front of this cat, uh, the Cheshire cat from the previous chapter. Uh, well, no, from previously in this chapter. And um, she doesn't really know where she's going. I don't know if anybody's got that. That's a common theme of this book. She doesn't really know where she's going, who she is. I wonder what that's a symbol of. Hmm. Young girl. We should do, yeah. We should do um, obvious hour. Obvious maybe, maybe. Maybe that could be a segment. I thought every hour on our podcast was obvious hour, to be honest. I didn't realise we weren't not doing obvious hour at any point. I want to do sarcastic hour. Uh, Where we just sit here and talk about our podcast and how it's just, uh, oh, it's just so good, you know. Lewis Carroll, who's some kind of a writer. I just realized this is a far less effective um, when you're on uh, audio because yeah. people can't see the, the bunny ears quotations. Nope. They cannot. Well, why don't we talk about the cat? Yeah, let's, she- just, let's just stick to the script and talk about the cat. Okay, um, so the Cheshire Puss. Yeah, because actually... I'm not being weird, it does say that. Yep. Um, it's, that's what Alice calls the cat. She yeah. refers to it as Cheshire Puss. Say that again. Alice refers to the cat as Cheshire Puss. So that's nice. Alice referring to the cat. <laughs> just like I, just like, I just like saying you say Cheshire. I got Cheshire. me some Cheshire Puss. No, you've ruined it. <laughs> You're done. Right. Shut up and read the your book. The rest of the podcast will be done by Katie. So <laughs> well, I think book. about what I've done and learned. I feel you were about lesson. to quote. I feel you that you were about to quote. No, something. just I no, just thought we'd start talking about um, the cat. And, you know, like because she, there's the famous you know thing that she asks the cat, like, yeah. um, which way do I go? And he says, Well, where are you going? Yeah, and she, then she goes, Well, I don't suppose it matters. We are paraphrasing, by the way. I'm not going to read it straight out straight out of the book. I could do are that you? if you want. You want me to? Well, you, you've got it. Yeah, go. Yeah. Because it starts with Cheshire Puss. <laughs> she nice. began. I'm not making this up. She began rather timidly, as she did not at all know whether it would come, whether it would like the name. However, it only grinned a little wider. Come, it's please so far, thought Alice, and she went on. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends on a good deal on where you want to get to," said the cat. "I don't much care where," said Alice. "Then it doesn't matter which way you go," said the cat. So there you go. Like unless you have like a clear vision of somewhere that you're going this i think you can hour. sort of sort is it did, yeah. did, we, did we decide yeah. no shush yes it is it's rather obvious um no it's basically i think the message that you can take away from that is kind of obvious it doesn't you know unless you are unless you have a five-year plan to get to some actual place or mm. an act you know or a specific state of mind or a, you know whatever changes that you want to make um if you don't really know what you want to do with your life, then don't worry too much about that because just try and make as good choices as you possibly can. I think you can kind of take that away. Yeah. What What do you take away from that? No, totally just pretty much the same. You know, like yeah. it's quite a famous line. Yeah. But what's interesting as well for me is that's when he starts because then um, the cat's sort of what starts off. Well, that's what gets her to see the hatter and stuff. Well, yeah, because you could go one way towards the March Hare's house, or mm-hmm. you could go one way towards the hatter's house, and he says that they're both mad. Yeah, there's also, like, with the cat, this is where he kind of starts, like, talking about logic and what was kind of like, you know, he starts playing with what words mean and stuff and, like, how they're constructed, and he sort of that starts with that, like, when they're saying, like, did you see pig or fig? Uh-huh. And that kind of thing. He starts doing that, like, um, 
what's the other but yeah like when he's and he's trying to reason to her that's the where the famous we're all mad here thing comes from and he tries to tell her that she's mad and he's mad and he tries to get the cat tries to convince Alice that she too is mad she's just as mad as he is but she's not having it which is weird because (coughs) Alice has got some issues with herself no really (laughs) obvious I suppose but no, it's interesting, but then we'll see that that theme comes up later on. It's it just, does. The it first comes up a lot, thing. actually. But that leads us to the tea party, and everyone thinks of the tea does party it? really. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the logical? Alice, oh, joins thought, a, Alice joins the tea party. I thought um, you Because she, becomes, she realizes that she's quite conservative round right. about that point yeah. in Wonderland. She that realizes that Wonderland did. has gone too liberal, and that's why it's such a mess. Yeah, really. Yeah, Wonderland's far too liberal these days. You got a little bit loud there. It's scary. I did, but I'm on it. It's all right. Hi, so Wonderland's liberal Alice joins the tea party. Where were we? <laughs> I actually thought you meant the actual like tea party, as in the tea party yeah. po- political party. I say political party. They're not a political, well, political no, group. I would they're say not a party group. in their own, no. yeah, they're just a group within no, the Republican Party. It's barely a party, to be fair. That's a group within the Republican Party. Yeah. It's a shit party. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> want to go to that party, and I love to party. You do love to party. Not in the way people think. <laughs> it's not weird. I just don't actually no one like. Suggested it was. I don't want to like go, but you know how like do you party? Like that's like a thing. Yeah, you know. I know what you mean. Um, I think that actually refers to cocaine. In which case, I do not party. <laughs> do I talk about Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, I'd rather go back. Um. So yes, so she can basically go to. Uh, so we're all mad here is the famous thing, which he doesn't actually say. He just says. I'm mad, you're oh, mad. Although the cat does mad. say that. The cat says, we're all mad here. Oh, is it the, the here actually there? Yep. I right. thought it was like a kind of a... Fact check. Something dun, taken dun, dun, from dun, dun, there. Dun. Please wait while we check your fact. Please wait while we check your fact. <laughs> yep, the cat yep. says, we're all mad here. I'm mad, you're mad. I like that. I'm glad that we checked that yep. because <laughs> I have that tattooed to me too. We're all mad here. Yeah, the cat so. does say that in those terms, that exact phrase, we're yeah. all mad here. Um, but then that's when it gets to the tea party and uh-huh. now he's only called the Hatter in the book, but they call him the Mad Hatter in a lot of popular well, culture. Well, it's but because the Cheshire Cat tells Alice he's mad, mm-hmm. but the March Hare's mad as well. Yeah. They're all nuts. In Tim Burton's adaptation of it, um, the March Hare is hilarious. <laughs> He's Scottish. He is, actually. Isn't he? And then the... Johnny Depp plays the Mad Hatter, actually. Oh, John, Johnny Depp did well in that role. Well done, sir. Because you're obviously listening to this. Katie salutes you because he's a big <laughs> fan of the show. Johnny Depp always listens. <laughs> we just never have him on because we, we don't, don't want to no. be showy. You no. know? We, we don't, don't want to appear like I we're better like than all those other off. podcasts. Like sometimes people call me and they're like, can I come on your show? And I'm like, do you know what? No. It's like you, you totally dissed me when I wasn't like this. And now you're like, can I come on your big, huge, massive show? And I'm just like, no. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> that, I'm just kidding. That, You're no, right. It started as a joke. It, it went on a bit far. <laughs> but I'm really sorry. See, see Can we just she, talk about the fucking book, please? Let's talk about the fucking <laughs> book. Uh, see when she gets in and she goes to the tea party. Yes. It's very much their rules. This is the oh, yeah. libertarian portion of the show. But is that it? table's their property. The table <laughs> is their property. That's So that's the thing. But... And it's There's a riddle he asks her that yeah. became quite famous, yeah, is, yeah. and he says, "Why is a raven like a writing desk?" Hmm. And she gives up because she can't figure it out. Yeah. And then she 
it's never resolved because when she asks him, he says that I haven't the slightest idea. Well, Lewis Carroll did, um, he did admit that when it was conceived, when he thought of that, when he wrote that down, that had no answer. Mm-hmm. There was no dis- actual yeah. distinctive answer to that. But then he, it was ima- just he that imagined to be one an abstract sort of thing. In an 1896 edition, oh, yeah. he imagined one. He said, like, because it can produce a few notes, though they are very flat, and it is never put with the wrong end in front, mm-hmm. and never is spelled N E V A R, which is Raven backwards. Oh right. See what I didn't pick up on either, but thanks to the magic of the of internet, the internet, I have found out that seeing Stephen King. Um, and his book, The Shining, and yes. Stephen King. See in Stephen King. See inside of Stephen <laughs> King's body. That's where Lewis Carroll lives. That's where Lewis Carroll <laughs> is now hiding. But um, no, apparently, in, so in The Shining, like snowbound, so it's like he's snowbound and he's isolated ten thousand feet high in the Rocky Mountains. Young Danny Torrance, the son of a writer, hears the whispers of the Malayan. Uh, like the voice of the hotel inside his head. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Yeah, the higher the fewer, of course. Have another cup of tea, so it's like a the total, higher the fewer. Yeah. See, and I, I didn't really get that at first. Dan sort of said that to me um, earlier on, like we were making notes and stuff, and I didn't actually understand that. Yeah, remember? Yeah, um, I, it just happened like to, yeah, you know. How you go the fewer you get, but it was, but he but did say there was never like, supposed to be any answer to it. The whole yeah. point was that he's meant to be a bit nuts. But then now you do have this theory, um, because we're going to talk about the king and queen. And we yeah. talked about this theory a little bit so far, but mm-hmm. the Mad Hatter is something else, and it's the theory that they off with their heads is the actual oh, lobotomizing. Right. Okay, remember, yeah. I was, remember earlier, I skipped a bit ahead to the Griffon, yeah. and when he says, you know, they never actually kill anyone, because the king have are very happy with the off with their heads, you know, they're yeah, not they're, shy about it. Yeah, and there's also a comment Alice wonders to herself at some point in the book, I can't really remember the page, Um, she thinks to herself, um, it's a wonder they have anybody left, but they're all nuts. Um, and I think the whole thing about the king and the queen is they, when it's off with their heads, it's almost sort of symbolizes a lobotomy of sorts. Cause the Mad Hatter talks about, um, he was punished. Yeah. He was punished yeah. by, he was punished by but time. It's supposed to be he was punished by time. Do you happen to have the exact page well, number he, there? He does talk a lot about time. Um, I know we are referring a lot to a book, but you have to remember you are listening to a podcast literally about a book. Yeah. So please don't feel the need to. Fuck you, you'll listen to it. Fuck you, you'll listen anyway. No. And they stop insulting the listeners. You need to stop doing that. Like, that's why. I'm actually very pleased. That's why nobody, like, gets in touch. We're not filibustering, don't worry. Um, Oh, we totally are, because I'm watching (laughs) you fiddle about with the pages, but it's okay. No, does he start talking about time, basically? Um, Basically, the fact was, um, I think it was, he was some kind of, was it not a jester or something? Oh, 45. No, I think that's. I know, th- there's the thing about time in this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, remember the property rights bit? Like, you know, Alice, she's, an- Alice is a bit of a badass. And Alice she, is an anarchist. She doesn't area. care what anyone well, says. Like, for example, she sits down at the table, right? And like, the, the chair says, yeah, it's not very civil of you just to sit down uninvited. And she said, I didn't know it was your table. But you find that the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And then later on with the king and queen, even though they're ordering what seems like executions or possibly lobotomies, I wouldn't want a chance either. Alice repeatedly says exactly what she thinks to them. So, like, there's at no point is she this, you know, she's like maybe like a little girl in this bizarre world, but at no point is she laying down. In fact, 
if you actually look at it all the way through, Alice is calling the shots a lot of the time all the way through. She's she's in charge. She's not afraid of any yeah. situation. She's not afraid to tell people who are in authority positions. Yeah. She's not afraid to question them. And yeah. she does, like, all the way through. Yeah. I know. I have read it. I think we have had something to add. No, I think that was a perfect description <laughs> of how just how anarchist she actually is. Yeah, no, I, I get that all the way through. Yeah. Um, yeah, he starts talking about time and stuff like this, and it's incredibly abstract. That whole paragraph, well, about that whole page, he about, says like time's the same now for him. Well, he's it's it's always tea time. Mm-hmm. He's been sort of um, the, does, he's been given th- like a sentence or something, or he has been something has been put upon him. Mm-hmm. He talked about the off with the, off with your head thing. Yeah, he did allude to the fact that. Someone wanted to be off with his head. Mm-hmm. Someone wanted his head off. I don't yeah. really know how to put that <laughs> sentence together right now. But um, basically, he alluded to that, and then he just said, and since then, it's always been tea time. Yeah. So it's always six o'clock. So they're constantly at this at this table having this tea party. Which is quite weird. And then in quite the Tim weird. Burton adaption, it's like, oh, it's the, all desolate and stuff. Because they've so been like waiting for Alice for years. They've been having tea. It's constantly all the time for the last like twenty years. Like since she's grown up. But what's interesting is see before when just at the end, you know, the cat often the cat kinda says like it doesn't matter which way I say the cat basically yeah. says it doesn't matter which way you say this, that's just it doesn't matter. Yeah. So the tea party is like the next chapter uh-huh. from when the cat says that. And like I said, that kind of he starts playing with logic a bit there. Uh-huh. And then but then immediately in the tea party then they start mentioning this. Like, because they start questioning Alice. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the March Hare says, you should say exactly what you mean. And Alice said, I do. And then she says, like, at least, at least I mean what I say. That's the same thing, you know. And, you, you know, then the Hatter says, no, it's not, not the same thing a bit. You might just as well say that I see what I eat as the same thing as I eat what I see. So, like, because mm-hmm. now he was a logician and something of a philosopher, Lewis Carroll, so it you was, can yeah. see it, it starts with the cat and then it carries on throughout the book. We see it later with the king interpreting, deconstructing the sentences, but mm-hmm. it's that kind of, um, philosophical way that they're like saying, well, is this the right way to say something? You're making a statement that it doesn't matter which way around I say something, but if you put it in this kind of terms, yeah. so you can, you can see the philosopher coming out of Lewis Carroll just in something like that. And that does run to the end of the book. Yeah. It's interesting as well, the way that they talk about time in that book, as if time is a per, as if time can actually is a is a living thing like uh, like your beating time like so uh, like he's time. talking about as if as yeah. if to beat time you'd be hitting something or like because yeah. Alice does she not mention something about like she has to play to the beat of time like of her piano lessons yeah so probably a metronome that's how I learned how yeah, to play the piano yeah, and it can lot, be excruciating yeah. for a while and then you hear the sound of a metronome and you want to hide but you're <laughs> crawl up under a bed and hide somewhere but like yeah but he talks about time as if it's like a almost like an entity. Yeah, but that's interesting. And also, one of the things I loved was, I, th- I think it was Alice actually said the line, um, well, she started to say something and she said, I don't think. And um, I think it was the Hatter that said, then you shouldn't talk. And oh, that just yeah. uh, was mm-hmm. quite, you know, profound for me. Yeah, like just straight away. I want to say it to a lot of people. <laughs> but I, I don't. Do. There is two sort of classic ways of looking at time. And a lot of people don't think about it. <laughs> Because a lot of people take, say, the sort of Christian view of time as we see in the Bible. So as in there's a creation part 
where everything's created mm-hmm. and then all this stuff happens in between and then there's a definite destruction. So that's kind of what we call linear time. It's a very Christian view. So there is the start of time. It's all the stuff in between and then mm-hmm. there's a the sort of destruction of time, you know. I understand. But if you look at stuff like Hinduism and that, they took more of a cyclical view of time. So, like, time is like a circle. And some physics could back this up, like, because mm-hmm. some physicists have theorized that maybe, like, universes might collapse in on themselves and then, like, re-spurt out. So, like, you know, maybe there is a planet for a while and stuff that gets created by stuff and then there's some awful cataclysm and then the universe resets and the whole thing starts again. So you can think about time as being... Like in the kind of Abrahamic way, beginning and end, but I tend to think of it in more in the kind of cyclical way, the more of the Hinduistic version where it goes around instead of there's just the start and the end. Mm, I tend to think of it just, I don't, I don't really <laughs> actually. I'm, Dan and I have talked about this many, many times. I don't know if I've ever said it on the show, but I don't, I take more of a sort of, it's not so much an agnostic thing. I just don't really care. It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference to me. Like, like, whatever happens after, it doesn't have any bearing on what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I'd like to, you know, I think it would be lovely to feel that kind of comfort mm-hmm. that would come from like thinking, oh, there's something after this. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is all for something. Mm-hmm. When in fact, this is just for now. This yeah. is all this is. It's just mm. for now. <laughs> this isn't for anything else. Um, and it's, well, in my opinion, I suppose. Yeah. It's not like that for everyone. But yeah, I don't really, I don't really think about time that much. No. Um, I think of time as a valuable thing. Mm-hmm. I think of it not, I'm not, I'm not saying like, like monetary. I'm just saying like time is like I sell my time like every you day. A, you have a finite amount of it and you're very conscious of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, with my job, I have about three, three to four hours per evening. Spare time. Spare time. See, we can go into spare time in your job um, from out of the yeah, land. It's yeah, just incredible what we do in this show. And I'm not complaining because <laughs> a lot of people don't have work, and I'm I'm grateful to have what I've got because you know, the economy is terrible and nobody's <laughs> got a job. That's what that's I, I what keep, it says in the paper. I keep reading Matt, that no. the economy is terrible and nobody has a job. So no, it's I am not that I pick up grateful. a book, but you cannot. <laughs> I'm just saying, time, time, time can be a valuable thing. Mm-hmm. If you've got, my dad always said to me, it's the catch twenty two. When you're working full time, you got no money. You got you got no time to spend that money <laughs> that you're making. And oh. when you're not working, you're not bringing in any money was to not fill a- all that time. Is it not Alan Watts? You know, the, I don't know. The, the great British philosopher who died in the seventies, just because there's another guy called Alan Watts. Just so we're not getting confused. Confused with um, you. And, oh, it's like one of his talks and he's like, well, what, what do you do? He's like, you get a job you don't like doing, you know, to make money. He's like, but then when you make money, you need more money because you want to buy more things. Mm-hmm. So then you have to spend more time at the job you don't like to make yeah. money to buy more things it to really make, is you a... need to make you feel better. <laughs> but see, this adds credence to that whole thing of fill, fill your time with the things that you like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as you possibly, possibly can. See, while we're talking about this chapter, can I just say, then the Dormouse, who is like, so you've got this tea party, and Alice is there, the Hatter's there, and the March Hare's there, Yes. and the Dormouse is sleeping on the table. Obviously. And then, towards the end, the Dormouse tells a fucking insane story about people who live in a tree... No, it was like people who... Oh, I thought we were talking about the dryness. No, No, like, people who live in treacle. 
That's oh, like God. a well at the bottom of a yes. well, and they live on treacle, and it's like a treacle well. He doesn't explain how they wouldn't die, because Alice starts questioning them, but then, <laughs> but then at the start, we're hearing, like, say what you mean, and they're arguing with her about meaning what you say, and then he's telling this fucking insane story that makes no lot. sense. See the whole mean what you say, say what you mean, mind your own fucking business. There's a lot of libertarianness <laughs> that runs through Alice's adventures Although in Wonderland. We, we will talk a lot more about Lewis Carroll. Um, yeah. However, he was quite conservative himself. He was actually in his own personal life, yes. Mm-hmm. Just, just so we're just as a little side that. note. Yes, so yes, we're making we're, that clear. We're making that. Um, um, so the next chapter um, is the Queen's Croquet Ground. Oh man, the Queen's nuts. The Queen is mental. <laughs> I mean, it's executions or lobotomies left, right, and centre. We'll just yeah. go with the executions. Because and that's... see, um, the thing is, uh, it's basically all of her sort of henchmen. They're all numbers. Mm-hmm. They're they're just numbers. They're just like nobodies, and they just sort of run around and all of her bidding. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I wrote that down too because yeah, yeah hedging is like seven says to five, you know, and five says to eight and stuff. This is fun because Dan and I actually haven't compared notes. We've both prepared we, we them, it not to. but we didn't compare them. So it's like it's like being witnesses to a terrible, terrible crime. You're not allowed <laughs> to compare your notes for the police, so nobody um, taints your view. So here's here's a-, a fun fact for you. <laughs> There is a I got fact. taught that when I worked at a bank. Here's something I found out as well, because you're talking about the guys that are called like one and six and all that yeah. that work for the Queen. Yeah. So what Henchman they're doing Dan, is Henchman. they've got white roses and they're painting the white roses red. Um, because painting the, the roses red. Because Sorry, that's like a thing from the Disney Yeah, adaptation. because the Queen hates white roses, right? So She's it's a been bitch. theorized, right, yes. that that's actually a, a reference to the War of the Roses. Oh, really? Um, like the Wars of the Roses in like the 1400s, because apparently the Red Roses symbolised the English House of Lancashire, while the White Roses were the rival House of York. So actually, I was looking up... And where the was Lewis Carroll from? Um, actually, I'm not sure. I will tell you in a second. But like, um, he was from... Because obviously he's English for anybody that he doesn't was, He was born in Cheshire. Cheshire. Maybe that's, that's why he's a Cheshire Link- cat. It could be, yes. Yes, apparently that's a direct allusion oh. to the War it, of the Roses, which I didn't realise yeah. either. And it's quite interesting because it always seemed weird to me before mm-hmm. I'd read that interpretation. Like, why are they painting, you know, they're painting the roses? I know it's because the Queen the hates queen them and they so... don't want to lose their head, but it yeah. seems like a weird thing to put in yeah, there, you know? I know. At first I thought it was just an allusion to how cruel and insane she was. Uh-huh. But like, they would, <laughs> they would have to paint the roses not to be killed. Yeah. Which is sort of weird. But yeah, um, and the game they're playing, the game they're playing, oh, to say that PETA would be concerned. PETA would have a fucking heart attack. I say PETA like, like PETA's a person. I think South Park really did it best. I'm I'm not a great big fan of PETA. Um, I'm not going to apologise for it, it's my opinion. Yeah, so. he wasn't my favourite character in the Hunger Games either. Oh, I liked how you talking did about that. something else. That's no, topical. anyway, why would PETA hate this? Terrible. PETA... Um, would hate this because they're playing croquet with, well, first of all, flamingos. <laughs> Live. Live flamingos. flamingos. Um, and what are the croquet balls? Live hedgehogs. Hedgehogs. And the soldiers who are like Aww. the cards are making like the hoops. So yeah. they're arching over and moving about. And the game is made out to be so chaotic because yeah. the targets are moving about. Everyone yeah. that's playing the Queen, and there's all these, there's a whole lot of people with the Queen, like her entourage, and there's loads of them, and they're all playing. But every time 
she keeps <laughs> she keeps ordering them to be executed and actually see by the time we get to the end of the game yeah. it's only like the queen and Alice and whatever's left because everyone else is either in custody or is awaiting yeah. execution yeah exactly <laughs> but this is insane didn't you think <laughs> the chaoticness because they always make it out about how chaotic it is and do you ever think that that could be a sort of it seems to me almost like a symbolization of how chaotic sort of like government and that can be, you know, like in the inner workings. Like maybe I'm reading way, way too I, much into it, I but actually, it's just the crazy surrealness mm, of the game because it's another level of surreal. I almost look at it as something, I don't think actually, I was about to say maybe against the monarchy in a way. or it's, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's definitely perhaps a little bit anti-authority. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Lewis. What I I don't know. I don't know what the man's politics were. Apart from obviously he's a conservative, but that's such a broad term. That's a broad term. You isn't have it? a lot of different types but of conservatives, if, but if dur- during that time, maybe not. Though. It was the eighteen hundreds, and if you recall, we were talking to Sean Gab, and we'll link it up at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It was about classical liberalism. Yeah, and you could say that modern libertarianism is a form of neoclassical liberalism. Yeah, because sort of same ideology. You got it in Britain. It was quite dominant in the nineteenth century, and it was dominant in America, obviously, early on as well. Yeah, not so much anymore. Kind of ideology of you know small government, low tax sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but when we were actually digging into it, we realised well what Sean had told us that the Liberal Party of Britain at that time, mm-hmm. who were supposedly classical liberals had actually um, passed a lot of legislation that was restrictive to people's personal freedoms. I think it was like there was something with pornography and stuff. You can listen to the show yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said, we, we were kind of joking because we said maybe the conservatives or the Tories were a bit, they actually sounded kind of more libertarian than the classical liberal party did, you know, yeah, in know. terms of like in terms of what we would understand as libertarian. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and he was one of these Tories of that time. So it's just important because if you say Tory now, it doesn't mean the same no, thing at all as to same. what it meant at the time no. when Lewis Carroll would have considered himself one. So I don't know exactly what he meant, obviously, when he was writing this, but the king and the... Uh, we're just yeah. having fun with we're it, just, though. Yeah, we're yeah, just picking it apart and having fun uh, with it. Exactly. I mean, if that's... This is an not, homage. This is what you do. Is this? Is that what this is? An homage. An homage. It's the word of the day. It would be an homage or twa if we had someone else, but there's only two of us. Well, we've got Barney, we have our dog. So it is an homage or twa. An homage or twa. We should, we should put that in the title. I don't know how. I already how know. You know I what the know. title is. I already know what the title is. I'm not going to say it just in case we change our mind. But, um, <laughs> so no, basically, yeah, she's playing croquet. I'm, I'm never if we didn't know. Yeah, she's playing this insane game of croquet with live flamingos. As clubs and like live so, hedgehogs. Yeah, Peter would have a fit. Has so, balls, yeah. Yeah. Live soldiers as the hoops. The Queen keeps getting everyone arrested or executed. Or something. Uh, including the Duchess, uh, oh. goes into custody. No, it's about, yeah. And it's about this time as well. The cat comes back as well. Mm-hmm. The Cheshire cat appears again. And do you remember this is the bit when the King orders that the Cheshire cat be beheaded? But then they have this debate about, well, the seed and the cat vanish, yeah. and it was just a head. So they said, "Can something without a body be beheaded?" And they yeah. start having this debate. So that's another wee thing that Carol puts in there. Another it's wee sort of yeah, because they mention that because they start having this debate about because the executioner says he can't, and the yeah. king says he absolutely can be beheaded, and they have this fight over it, and he actually gets away because he can, you know, well he, he can, can vanish, vanish. <laughs> air, so. But then his grin remains, and she and Alice um thinks to herself, "I think I've I've." I've often seen a cat without a grin, but never a grin without a cat. 
Mm. I like it. So yeah. anyway, let's move on to this really creepy fucking chapter, chapter nine. Chapter nine. Chapter nine is a creepy. Fucking okay, this chapter. is creepy as fuck. Okay, because this is just this is supposed to be the 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 Duchess who we mentioned earlier. Now she was the in baby. the room with the cook with all the pepper, and she was singing the song about how you should hit the baby. Well, basically, when it sneezes, because when it of sneezes the pepper. and because of the pepper that the cook wants to. That so was the baby really that the turned into a pig. Are you following? We're not. Are you? <laughs> I don't even think Lewis Carroll's following at this point. You notice how it starts off a really nice, serene little like thing of oh she fell down a hole and then it's like all of a sudden that uh, and then it's like a bad acid trip madness. very very quickly. Yes, it's yeah. exactly. I wonder. Um, well, we're also going to talk about the psychedelic element uh, in a little bit. Obviously, that came later. Later, and it's yeah. no wonder the psychedelic sort of movement of the sixties yeah. adopted this. You know, it's I'm not Hello. even I'm not even a little bit surprised. It's it's incredible. It was sort of a logical conclusion. We actually have a poster so, in our house, mm-hmm. and it's like um. I think it's from a film or something. It's called Alice in Acidland, and it's from oh, that God, time. Yeah, that one. Yeah, it's from the sixties. And it just says um, the something. The morals of a young girl are tested, and something with, yeah, with uh, an LSD trip. LSD it's like trip, a thing about acid. Um, it's Alice in Acidland. Yeah, it look. It looks pretty cool. It was just a really, <laughs> like, a really cool poster I saw online, and I bought it. Yeah, so that was that was a good point. Um, so we're talking about this really, really creepy chapter, chapter nine, yes. with the mock, uh, the mock turtle story. Um, is this not this is the one about morality. The and Duchess how the comes Duchess, in at first, though, doesn't she? Yeah, and I. She meets Alice and basically sort of, um, she talks quite creepily to her. And she's been arrested and now. Yeah, she's, she's point. in, she's in Queen's custody. Um, Why has she been arrested again? I don't know. You, you're, you're the one with the book in front of you. <laughs> I also have a book in front of me, so I could have a look. Who cares? Continue. Okay. So anyway, uh, yeah, the the Duchess starts talking to Alice, and it's creepy as fuck. Because mm. she basically just says stuff like, well, um. The reason why she has to release yeah. her from prison is because the cat belongs to the Duchess and you know they're having this problem yeah. with the Cheshire cat and whether they can behead it or not. <laughs> so that's why they get the Duchess and she gets a wee bit close to Alice, doesn't she? She gets a bit up in her grill. You know, she gets a little bit all up in her face and, um, she's like, uh, I can't remember because I've already put the book down. I can't be bothered to bring but, it back up but she talks about like putting her arm around Alice's waist and stuff and like talking about models and we'll talk she was about very, why that might be genuinely creepy a bit she, later. She kept agreeing with everything Alice was saying. She's being very much a yes person. She keeps bringing up models as well because yeah. uh, uh, does and Alice wh- whatever not- Alice says she will agree yeah, and this is where it gets uh, a wee bit libertarian-y, I noticed, when she's talking yeah. to the Duchess a couple of times as well. See, we'll put, I'll pull yeah. any tiny libertarian nugget I have to, any libertarian lifeboat that I have to grab onto. I okay, will. I believe you. Yes. Um, no, she's talking to the Duchess, and they're talking about, it, again, it comes up, this, see this minding your own business stuff. It's a const, it's, an, it's an incredibly constant theme. Yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, I just want to kind of go back to the fact that the the Duchess is incredibly creepy, and I want to read out because um, that really it didn't stand out as much to me as it did to you. Because no, when you were reading that, but you were like, I know, but I I, I did feel it's, it was a it's bit like creepy. It's like this but, very yeah. ugly woman. No, she's actually described pic- as ugly. In the pictures, they've in all the got like massive heads, don't they? Yeah. All um, these kind of, yeah. So basically, it's uh, like let me see. It's actually quite a phallic drawing. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that. I don't know if I'm just like... It's a very phallic drawing. It could be a different version. Um, No, look, I'll let you see it after. So basically, she's speaking to the Duchess, and the Dutch, it, she, Alice has said um in the book, she's alluded to the fact that the Duchess has a very sharp chin. 
she keeps digging into her shoulder uh-huh. and she's very gross and ugly and stuff. Yeah. Alice thinks to herself how fond she is of finding morals and things. Mm. And then the because- Duchess says, sorry, can I, I just need to finish. Uh, the Duchess says, I dare say you're wondering why I don't put my arm around your waist. And then she says, the reason is that I'm doubtful about the temper of your flamingo. Shall I try the experiment? That's just a, I don't know. Is it just me? I mean, it's, it's a funny, it's just funny, but it it's also sort of creepy, like uh, the, the temper, the temper of your flamingo. And then Alice says it might bite. So what? I don't know if that's like a euphemism for something weird. Um, What's important there to bear in that context, context is contacts. The Duchess has actually just made a kind of basic statement to Alice and mm-hmm. she's looking for the moral in it. And Alice suggests that maybe it doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. Because what the Duchess says to her is she says, you're thinking about something, my dear, and that makes you forget to talk. I can't tell you just now what the moral of that is, but I shall remember it in a bit. And then Alice suggests that maybe there is no moral. And the Duchess isn't happy. She says everything has a moral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aye. Uh, she actually mm. tuts at her. She sort of scolds her a little bit. But... um. What's interesting as well, and this is like, there's a bit down here, um, yeah, that when the Duchess comes up with a moral later on, yeah, um, on the same kind of page, she says, it is love that makes the world go round, and then Alice whispers, somebody said that it's done by everyone minding their own business. Mm-hmm. Step forward, you libertarian little girl. <laughs> so I want to sort of just this, the I want to just jump to another page, Dan, um, Alice and the Duchess are speaking and Alice is um thinking again, which Alice does a lot. She's a thinker. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and we're let into some of her thoughts. The Duchess uh, sort of comes in and goes thinking again, like kind of bitchy. Um, and Alice says, I have a right to think. And she says it sharply. And mm. then the Duchess goes up to her and says, just about as much right as pigs have to fly. And, the, and then... Her voice dies away. Yeah. Uh, because the queen comes mm-hmm. in and sort of saves Alice's ass. Because I think <laughs> Alice was about to get beat up. You think so? Or something. I don't yeah, know. So. It's weird. Um, but in this chapter, she ends up going to see something called a mock turtle. Yeah. And that's apparently, that's what you make soup out of. So they have this thing called mock turtle soup. Oh, I and, see. And the turtle's crying. And I'm not surprised because if I was the soup, I wouldn't be terribly, I, would be I wouldn't be very upbeat about it. You know, that's sad. I really wish you hadn't told me that. <laughs> but that's when we get we reach, you know, the Griffon. Remember, I talked about the Griffon earlier yeah. that kind of supports your theory as to the people lobotomized, not beheaded, yeah. because the Griffon says, like they I said earlier on, execute anybody. <laughs> but then the, there's two sides of that: is that that, or is it that the Griffon's just like a kind of apologist for the monarchy and just wants? Because you do get people that support horrendous wars. But they just kind of mm-hmm. sweep it aside, like it's not as bad as it is. Yeah. So I could see it from. I either can understand way. it maybe from both sides, but anyway. So um, the the queen comes to get Alice, uh, and this yeah. is. Uh, should we jump into well, the next I, chapter? I, well, we're still on the mock turtle chapter because then whenever she goes to the mock turtle in this chapter, she speaks to the Duchess at the start. Um, because apologies, sir. Yeah. Um. And then the thing that, so Alice, Alice, the Griffon takes her to the Mock Turtle. Yeah. And the Mock Turtle's telling this sad story and it's, there's a lot about education. Uh-huh. And that's basically what all the Mock Turtle talks about. But like, he talks about the, the things he took. And one of the classes he said was something called uglification. 
And the Griffon's kind of like, we've heard of beautification, you it's know. just the opposite Why would you take such a depressed... No wonder he's depressed. I know. Like, why would you take such a fucking depressing course? Who yeah. would ever have seen uglification on a, on a prospectus and gone, ooh. Well, it's like people that do medieval Welsh. That's a real thing you can I do. I think it's at Glasgow. I don't know if still, but... I don't know if it's still, because we've been saying that I saw for a few one years. Point, yeah, medieval yeah. Welsh. It's important to know medieval Welsh. Obviously. Comes up my daily life all the I'm time. I'm fluent. I just, <laughs> I just don't talk about it. Ah, you just, ah, you don't want to make out that you're better than all the other podcasters like that don't speak medieval Welsh. Yeah, I don't want to like have them like come up to me and be like, oh, speak medieval Welsh. Cat, please, please, please continue. <laughs> For the love of God. For the continue. love of God, continue. No, no I just wonder, I was just thinking, this is a kind of weird chapter for a me because I don't know why it's so much about it. It just seems he talks about education, about how he used to be a real turtle, but now he's a mock turtle. But it's never really described what makes him a mock turtle as opposed know. to a I real turtle. I don't know. I think it, it could be that we're digging a bit much. Mm-hmm. Could be that this was written for children, and these are just sort of adult themes um, mm-hmm. that are running through the book. But then, for the adult, I don't, I don't know. Then to be fair, chapter ten goes I off the rails the again dude. because then they start talk. The turtle starts talking about this. What could only be described as insane dance yes. called the lobster quadrille, where everyone's got like a lobster as a partner and like they twirl them about and they throw them out the sea and stuff, and it's just it sounds ridiculous. There's a lot of sing song, <laughs> and I'm not really a great fan of sing song. He actually puts it in verse a lot of it. It is one of the things I love about Alice is actually the way it's written. He anticipated a musical. <laughs> maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. Man. Perhaps so. He did. Well, the Disney version, as all Disney films are, was a musical. But do you know what's as well that kind of made me think that maybe the Griffon is like an apologist? Okay. Um, for the Queen, because there's a bit when, like, um, uh, there's a bit when they're asking Alice to talk of her adventures. Uh-huh. But again, she says, like, um, no, no use getting back to yesterday because I was a different person. So we're still in that kind of. I was like, I that think, comes up yeah. again. But then the Griffon doesn't want an explanation. He wants the story because he says that explanations take a dre- very dreadful time. He wants the adventure, not the explanation, which is kind of mm-hmm. why it made me think that he maybe is a bit of an apologist for the monarchy as well because he doesn't. Don't, he doesn't he want almost, the facts. He, almost, he just wants the entertainment. Yeah, he almost struck me as a kind of don't bother me with the facts sort of guy. Yeah. Just get to it. There are people like that though that oh, are like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything real. I just want to. <laughs> Immerse I just, myself I just in the want fate. to live in fantasy land and be and happy. I don't think, and I, and a lot of people screw think, you, hippie. Like, no, like, <laughs> get a job, hippie. <laughs> I actually said that to someone one time. Did you? I did, too. Did you have a job at the time? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't really remember. I think I did. Yeah. I was working in the job I'm working in now. But see as well in this chapter with the mock turtle. Uh-huh. Alice makes the point as well, again, Again, it comes back to this. She makes this observation that she finds it weird that these creatures are all ordering each other about. She finds it bizarre. And again, it's like the sort of anarchist because me and you find it bizarre when we look at all these governments ordering each other, people ordering people about all the time. And I just, when I see people that, that don't realize it, you know, you do, you do say libertarian things to a lot of people and people nod and go, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. You do though get some people that just go, nah, I don't get what you mean. Like, what tyranny are you talking about? 
what 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 tyranny are you living under? You live such a great life. What, what why are you complaining? Mass government surveillance. They say, yeah, well, on a huge I, scale that's being ignored by everyone. Yeah. Um, sometimes I look at my. I've got like a kind of smartphone, and sometimes I look at. <laughs> does it do real well on tests? <laughs> I have a kind of smartphone. I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to brag about him. He's he's okay. It's about a C in American terms. Right. Okay. Um, Please continue. <laughs> uh, no, I have a smartphone, and sometimes like. I'll maybe want to install a game or something, yeah. but then they want to know where you are. Some of them don't bother. Some don't need any special yeah. permissions, but some apps they want to know. They don't know, so they want to have access to like your identity, your photos, and all these kind of things on your phone. And some of them even want weird. the permission to post as you. Yeah, some of them do. Seen that. I tend not to go for stuff like that. No wonder. Um, I I don't actually have a smartphone. I've gone back in time, and I have a phone from um. The Stone Age. The early, Stone. No, it's from the early 2000s. <laughs> it's not that old. I would say that this phone probably came out in like 2006. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in phone terms, yes, it's incredibly old. But in actual terms, it's not that old. At the end of this chapter, the turtle starts singing about the turtle soup. Naturally. So if you were Katie's soup, that would be the equivalent of you singing me a little ditty about how I'm going to have you for dinner. No, that's, that's weird. No, um... <laughs> It was, but, but then, but then I don't, I don't really have a concept of what it would be like to have multiple versions of me. Hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like when you're a turtle, everybody else looks like you. But there's multiple humans and that's the point. But all humans are unique. Not all. Some are identical. We're getting off on weird. We are getting off on weird tangents. Okay. Right. So. Let's take it back a little bit because before you got to chapter 11, um, I'd said to you. I'd oh said, yeah, it was like I'd Dan. Said the title of chapter right, we eleven is something I've heard at a singles night. <laughs> we're both sitting reading the book, and then Dan's like two chapters. He's an incredibly fast reader. I'm not, and I also took a break. Um, but <laughs> you don't have to apologize. Dan, I know I'm not a apolo- I'm not an apologist. <laughs> You're allowed a break, man. I know. You I know. Des- you deserve it's, a it's break. It's my house, okay, and it was yeah. Saturday, and you deserve a break, and I deserve a break. Damn it. Okay. Okay. Right, How do you please your wife? So tune in another podcast. <laughs> right. So I'm saying. <laughs> Basically, you were reading about two chapters ahead of me, and mm-hmm. you went, oh, "Somebody said that to me at a singles night once." And I was joking; I've never been to a singles no, night. I just d- want to put that out. There. Yeah, but like, you were saying about it, and chapter. He said, "Oh, wh- where are you?" I said, "I'm at chapter nine. He went, "Oh, when you get to chapter eleven, someone said that to me on a singles night," and I actually wrote down chapter eleven <laughs> singles <laughs> night. <laughs> so I wrote that down, and uh, when I got there, I just Dan just heard a kind of a ha, good one. <laughs> Coming from the living room. Well, I do, or will you? What, chapter 11? Yeah. I'm going to let you say it, seeing as how somebody, apparently, I'm guessing a man <laughs> said to you at who, a singles night. Who stole the tarts? Ooh, Ooh saucy. Who stole the tarts? But they're it talk- wasn't as saucy as I they're thought They're talking about be. confectionery in the book. Oh. Unfortunately. Well, baked goods. I don't know if there's a difference, but they're talking about baked goods. Okay. Um. So for some reason now Alice is at a trial because the knave of hearts, you know, like, they're all cards, the Queen's sort of soldiers. It's weird, man. Yeah. They're all weird card people. Um, He's accused of stealing the Queen's tarts. Yes. Now, I found this really, really interesting, right? Mm. Because now the jury's composed of like a bunch of animals and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you know how it's like... It says like they're trying to write their names, but they're too stupid to understand that. And then they're even writing down like... I'm too stupid to understand. It I, makes it cl- very clear that it's like a show trial. Yeah. It's like the king's the judge. 
Yeah. And it's and the queen's beside him, and they make it very but clear that Judy are idiots. But that makes me think of the voting system. It makes me mm. think of the whole thing of like, look, things are going to go a certain way. They've mm-hmm. already decided. The powers that be have already decided mm-hmm. uh, what way the selection is going to go. And we're not but talking we're about. Let you think, can I just clarify in case anyone gets confused? We're not, not, about we're not talking about some overarching Illuminati no. or like six Jews that run the world. Yeah. What we're saying is there is powerful interests. There's like yeah. real things. You know, instead of the Illuminati, There's like, round circle groups. Yeah, yeah. Round, round circle, round table round groups. Table, I do like that the Trilateral the Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations and the yeah. Bilderberg Group, and you know they buy and sell these people with lo- lo- lobbying. That's how corporatism yeah. works, and that's why it's not capitalism because yeah, lobbyists they, and government. Yeah, and they lobby the things that happen to certain the, people, to the people. Yeah, certain people give money to campaigns, and they lobby hard. Yeah. to get certain regulations get put in place so that. They can't get certain competitors to challenge them. They benefit. Yeah. They get exactly. a monopoly. Precisely. Ta-da. Yeah. See, we can make this, li- we can always make it libertarian. <clears throat> make anything libertarian. Absolutely. Aha, uh-huh, challenge. Communist manifesto. No. I can't make that, I can't make that libertarian. I can try. But the chat, that's the first thing that came in when you said that. I, I thought I can make the communist manifesto incredibly libertarian by putting sarcastic quotation marks around everything, like redistribution of wealth. I don't know if that phrase comes up there. I haven't read it in a I don't while. Know. I've a, never read it. Wasn't a great read. I know, I remember you coming in here, you said you were underwhelmed. It's a short so anyway, book. the tarts, there's tarts, somebody's eating the Queen's tarts, she's pissed off. Yeah, Tell they make the jury next. out to be extremely stupid. It makes fun and they of make, the law. They make the king out to be the judge, and they make the king out to look, sorry, he makes the king out even to look ridiculous, because he's supposed to be like wearing a crown over like a judge's wig, like that they have here. Judges still wear mm. daft wigs in this country. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, I can confirm that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So basically but, that... Yeah, sorry, you were going to say. No, I was just going to say, yeah, so it seems like it's just, it's like a show trial. Yeah. Um, the decision's sort of been made. The jury are made out to be idiots. You know, the king and queen have been ordering custody mm. and execution all day. Mm. There's not really a point in them having a big trial. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alice starts to grow larger again and she hasn't really eaten anything this time, but like, you know, in the courtroom, she starts to get bigger I think, again. I think that that's an allusion to coming to the end of the story, mm-hmm. which we are. Sorry, it's an allusion to it. Alludes to the fact that we are coming to perhaps the end of the story. Jember as well, though, the dormouse says to her that she's got no right to grow so large and take up all the air. Take up all the air. It almost, I don't know. It kind of makes you think of like a. It makes you think of egalitarianism a uh-huh. bit. Like, don't you have more air? Don't you be better than me? Like, We're all we all get the same got air the wealth, here. Like you've got all the wealth. <laughs> well, basically, that is sort of the thing. Like you're taking up ninety nine percent. Sorry, you're yeah, taking up all the air here. You're taking up one percent of the air. <laughs> we are the ninety nine percent. But then, do you remember no the, there's this bit where the king has the hatter up? The hatter shows up again to yeah. give evidence, and the king has this is a up. weird fucking bit. And the king says to him, he says, "Don't be nervous, or I'll have you executed." I mean, like, seriously. Like, don't freak out, or I'm going to have you killed. <laughs> or I'm go- or, or You have to calm down, or I will lobotomize you. So part of our theory. I said that to you last week. I went, Dan, you have to calm down, or I will have you lobotomized. <laughs> but it's interesting, I mean, like, it's... No, it is interesting. There's an old Buddhist thing as well, and it's an old kind of story that I've heard told a bunch of different ways. You had that look in your eye where you're full, and <laughs> you're full of wisdom right now. Full of weird, weird wisdom. So I'm going to impart my wisdom upon you. Go ahead. Of my 28 years. <laughs> no, this is. No, this, so like I said, this is a kind of Buddhist story that's um, sort of quite common that like 
it comes up and now and again. So he's told the hatter, don't be nervous or I will execute you. There's yeah. one, of, one of those stories is someone goes up to the master. Like a young, I think it's, I've heard it told like a young monk. And he says, master, how do I achieve enlightenment? And you know what these great Buddhist stories are like? They never give a straight yeah. answer. And it's something like, this is the way I've heard it. Like the, the monk, the master says to the monk, he says, go home and don't think about your right arm and you will achieve enlightenment. <laughs> All you can think of is your right arm. Yeah, can't think of it now because you're like, why? Why do you, why do you say right arm? Was he, yeah. you know? And then you can't think of it now. Yeah. It's the same sort of idea as, don't be nervous or I'll kill you. Yeah. Because I assume if somebody's about to kill you, a lot of the time you're a tad nervous. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Major life change. You know? Yes. <laughs> We're not reaching at all with these theories, right? Listen, um, we are we are needing the end of. We the are book. needing the end um, because there is one more chapter after that. Alice gives her evidence. Mm -hmm. And this again, we're back to Alice calling the shots. Being a bad no guy, yeah. no, She has no respect for authority. She never once, I find it really interesting, she never mentions parents. Ever. No. And I think I did talk about this earlier on, but she never mentions parents. She mentions Dina, her cat. A lot. And she mentions her sister that her, begins with her, her, sister. her sister. So I don't know, it's, maybe she doesn't have parents, or I don't know. Maybe parents aren't mentioned because this is a sort of a child story mm -hmm. and there's no adults in it her yeah. sister features incredibly well, briefly as the queen and king not adults but they're, but they're not really people yeah because they're a sort of subspecies because in all the illustrations they've got like massive heads and like, stuff and she's shrunk down yeah. so the illusion is that they're smaller than her so yeah. I, like they're not like adults strange but um, yeah so Alice um, being an anarchist you believe she is don't you Yes. You've got it. You firmly believe it. Yeah, no, she, she, again. I'm talking to her like she's a real person. I just think. My friend Alice. My friend Alice. She's my only friend. Um, <laughs> she's, no, I, th I think she's, you know, she's speaking back to essentially the monarchy. She's speaking back to the king and the queen. She's not respecting the authoritaire. The authoritaire. The authoritaire. Um, and, you know, the queen just basically says, off to her head. Off with her head. It kind of reminds me. Oh. Can I say what this reminds me of? Yeah. Tell reminds me, me of, you, me. you hate this movie, and it's okay to it's, hate it. It's okay. Labyrinth. I do I hate that yeah, movie. Yeah, no, you really do. I like, I, of, I like a lot of David Bowie's music, but I do not like the film Labyrinth. But you like Jim Henson's, like, puppets and stuff. I know, and I, I do like, I mean, Bowie's had a I lot think, of great albums. I think albums. You, you saw it during a bad time in your life, and that's I why... I see it during a bad time in my life. So maybe <laughs> I, I saw that <laughs> film during It's one funny of the... because this is one of these things, only we know what we mean by yeah, this, and yeah. what maybe one other person, but nobody else knows. Yeah, yeah. And it's our little secret. It's our little secret, it will remain. That's Dan's way of going, shut up and don't say anymore. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm just saying, I saw it during I saw it during a good part of my so life. So why did really you think like about it. Labyrinth? Because there's a bit at the end, spoiler alert, for anybody that hasn't seen Labyrinth, yeah, it's been out this, since this, like the 80s, okay, just see it already. And this book Jeez. came out in the 1800s. Yeah, so, so just, you know, you know, you know, I'm not going to worry about your feelings. So, <laughs> the audience so basically, again, no, stop, stop telling the audience, like, stop saying fuck to the audience. I don't mean it's, that. It's not nice. This Thank is you. why we can't do th nice things. We, <laughs> we can, this is why we don't go out. <laughs> this is why Katie keeps me locked in this room all the time. <laughs> right, anyway. So, no, I'm just saying, like, uh, at the end of Labyrinth, um, the whole reason it comes to an end and she ends up home is because she realizes that um, Jareth, the, the king, uh, the Goblin King has no power over her. The Goblin King, mm -hmm. for fuck's sake. And then he goes, oh my God, like you realize. And it's this big thing, you know. 
And he's like, ah. Oh. I'm going to get, I'm gonna get trolled my... by the powerful pro labyrinth lobby. <laughs> lobby. <laughs> the powerful pro pro David Bowie movie <laughs> lobby. Can I say there's a bit the king and I see things like this and when I read this I was like that's hilarious because like a lot of the time what I'll do is I'll say like you know you should probably start at the beginning keep going till you reach the middle and then finish at the end when yeah. I'm sort of being flippant with people yeah. whatever like but there is a bit when um the white rabbit you know like the king um tells him to read something and it's like these notes they've got to try and prove the the knave's guilt for stealing the tarts yeah and the the rabbit, who actually doesn't appear a lot in the story either, to Not be fair, hardly no. ever. Um, when the rabbit says, where shall I begin, please, your majesty? The king says, begin at the beginning and go on till you come to the end, then uh-huh. stop. Uh-huh, naturally. But I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> I kind of chuckled when I read that because well, I say something that's kind of similar to that. Well, I just want to kind of sum up the Alice stuff by saying... Can I say oh, as well, just, just that in? bit, because now then they read these letters and it's in verse as well. Yeah, So uh-huh. it's, it's still in verse, but... That's where the king starts to, again, we're in this logical sort of philosophical mind because the king starts deconstructing it. Uh-huh. So he, he starts saying, he starts taking little bits of the verses that the, the rabbit's reading out and he starts figuring it out and that's where he decides that nothing's wrong. But do you notice that the queen wants a sentence before a verdict? I know. There's no verdict yet, and the Queen says she wants wants the the sentencing set. (laughs) Before the verdict. But basically, uh, it it just kind of comes with a off with her head thing um, to Alice. And, uh, you know, it ends with basically she stands up to them and she wakes up. So she realizes that they hold no power or authority over her. She Mm -hmm. says, fuck you, essentially. And then she abruptly wakes up and then she's um, back with her sister. And it's dinner time, and she's just. And then her sister, um, like. Her sister has a beautiful thought, and I'd like to read it. She sort of dreams like Alice. No, I just want to finish the. Yeah, sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah, read it. I want to read this little bit. This is, now this is considered a corny ending, but remember how long ago this was written, so it is Mm. the whole, it was all a dream sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to read. The and then if that bit. spoiled the end for you, like I said, the book came out in 1865. If you're listening to a podcast about the, the book Alice in Wonderland, I'm going to assume that you've read it. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the rule. If we ever that's do a rule, show man. about a movie or a TV show or a book, I'm going to always assume. Also, you can get that it for free online and audiobook. It's one of these books that, like, it's been out that long. Everybody's kind of doing it. Anyway. Okay, I'm just going to read this sort of end bit because I think it's pretty nice how it how it ends. Um, mm-hmm. It's Alice's sister is uh, sitting by the river, as Alice was. Um, and she says, Lastly, she pictured to herself how the same little sister of hers would, in the aftertime, be herself a grown woman. And how she would keep, through all her riper years, the simple and loving heart of her childhood. And how she would gather about her other little children and make their eyes bright and eager with many a strange tale, perhaps even with the dream of Wonderland of long ago. Mm-hmm. And how she would feel with all their simple sorrows and find a pleasure in their simple joys, remembering her own child life and the happy summer days. Mm-hmm. The end. So that's so that's that. And uh, I rather like that book. It's good, you know, and what we are going to do now it's is... fucking insane, but it's good. It's crazy, and we're going to talk a little bit about it in general, because we've gone through it, but we wanted to spend a, a while going through this, because 
we find it fascinating and it interests us. And if you don't want to listen to it, then who cares? We've enjoyed this. But we're going to talk a little bit as well about Lewis Carroll, the man, because this Mm -hmm. is important stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So so we've come across a lot of themes, we think. Alice is, she never, ever, ever just accepts things, you know, she questions questions everybody. Yeah. So we got through all that and we talked about a lot of that. Um, Lewis Carroll himself. Yeah. There's this thing called the Carroll myth. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's like, was he a paedophile? Was he not a paedophile? Yeah, there's a, there's some theories going about. Because he painted paintings and took photos of little girls who were not exactly fully clothed. Yes. So, now, number one, I'll does, put the doesn't, Wiki- it doesn't look good. I'll put the Wikipedia page up because it's got different sources because people have argued about yeah. this yeah. this whole fact. Some people say it was in, in that time... It was like considered art and even they yeah. appeared on Christmas cards sort of like... In those times. Because it was a different time. They're not totally... It's this like nude but covering themselves sort yeah. of thing. But that's... You, I mean, if you go to a lot of art galleries, it, it is a, a common theme. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is also the whole thing of... Uh, there's there's a big distinction between actually doing something about the attraction that you have... I have no doubt that there are people out there who have attraction to underage men and women who do not act on it. Probably. I would, I would, I would imagine so because I just, I don't know. I think when you start to get into the whole thing of, well, if, if someone does, for example, if a gentleman does a painting of a half naked young girl, mm-hmm. who is he, I, who is he hurting? A is I mean, there a victim? Cause if you say, well, if he has photos, there's been a child involved. Therefore, yes, there is a victim, that child. Because this is not consensual then. But if, if it's, you know, a painting, I think there's. No, I totally get I'm not trying to like, like defend anyone. I'm just saying like, that's just a thought I've had. I almost think in a way that he's kind of like the Michael Jackson of his time. (laughs) But but do you know what I mean? Like, because you know, there's still this whole myth surrounding Michael Jackson. Like, was he just an innocent person who admired children or was there something more sinister going on? And that's like a debate because nobody really He had a weird life though. Like, he had like a weird childhood. I I know there is obviously differences, but I just mean in that way, there's going to be that debate forever. Well, nobody can know because like Michael Jackson, Lewis Carroll is is dead. Except it's harder with Lewis Carroll because he's been dead for a lot longer. He's been dead for a lot longer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, I thought I would quickly um, mention as well. Mm-hmm. So there is apparently sort of some different um, interpretations. And some mm-hmm. literary scholar called Melanie Bailey asserted in New Scientists that Alice in Wonderland in its final form is a scathing satire on new modern mathematics that were emerging in the mid-19th century. Mm-hmm. However, such views are not widely held. They're probably not widely held because that bores the arse. Off oh, you. Yeah. I know he was a mathematician, Lewis Carroll, and we know that. But like that is, I mean, you know, there's so much fun to like. We have been talking about so many yeah. themes in Alice in Wonderland. They go, this, it's if, clearly if, about maths. If this was about maths, Fuck I'd be off. really quite disappointed. Actually, I'll it's have a lot, a lot less more than me. But him. like, I'm just like, Fuck you. I don't believe it's about maths. Well, she can say it's on math on her show. Whatever. <laughs> she can talk about whatever she wants on her own show. Uh, so can you just stand by your theories, Dan. So we don't know about Lewis Carroll, you know. Uh, the, the some some things seem a little creepy. 
but we can't know. We weren't there. I don't know. If anybody does have any more to add to that, if anybody kind of knows any other... Isn't it funny um, that he's that he's stories? known for Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and he's not known for linear and matrix algebra, mathematical logic and recreational mathematics? Oh, I love that. I've See, he wrote, that. I read that uh, last week. <laughs> I'm reading off Wikipedia. Apparently know, he produced nearly a dozen it. books under his real name and that was like, his real name is Dodgson. That's his surname. Um, oh, why did he change it? No, that Lewis Carroll so was just inviting. a pen name. No, his name was Charles Lutwidge Dodgson, but Lewis Carroll was his pen name. But under his real name, he wrote books on mathematics and sure. stuff like that. He was like a deacon as well. Yeah. Anglican deacon, I believe. Mm. Um, died in 1898, but... Mm. No, he was pretty really cool. I mean, character. Um, yeah. You know, he's just so strange. And then... Like he wrote a, a lot of poetry as well. Um, we've got like a book of his poems through mm. the living room. Yeah. I'm not going to go get it. So yeah, we don't know what the deal was with Lewis Carroll. There's been books written on him, about him. Whether or not he was a paedophile, Alice in Wonderland is a good book. It is. And there's so. a lot of really interesting sort of things. And we might have gone too deep into it, but you know, we enjoy doing this. Yeah, that's what like this was going to be about. I don't know what else you, re- you gathered from the title, but this is what the show was pretty much based around and we like to throw in our own libertarian ramblings dan do you have any libertarian ramblings you want to talk about or no i mean apart from that i think i think we've done all this proud with this you, you know think it's been so? one of our longer shows but yeah, well i think it had to be oh, though there's so much in it it's such a weird yeah. book and like i said if we spoiled it for you it came out in 1865 you really yeah. could have read it by now yeah i mean shame on you i mean <laughs> like really you could have read it by now it was like over a hundred years ago no i will always say if you listen to a podcast watch a show or anything about a certain book or uh, show or movie and you haven't uh, ingested the media yourself (laughs) then why are you listening to this? Go read the book. (laughs) Maybe you've made someone interested but... No, probably not. It's an interesting work of fiction and we may even, who knows, we may even get round to actually reading through The Looking Glass. Yeah, I haven't actually read that one yet, so... Who knows? Um... So anyway, yeah, is there any closing thoughts time. on that? No. no. I um, think we've covered everything, you know. Yeah. Atlas is clearly, she never submits to authority. Never. Um, she's always questioning everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the whole logic about saying what you mean and meaning what you say and then twisting with language. Because mm-hmm. Lewis Carroll not only plays with language in that kind of logical, philosophical sense, but he also plays with language and, like, you know, he writes sort of nonsense Especially oh, in Through the Looking complete, Glass, which not any rates the Jabberwocky appears and that and stuff yeah, like that. It's pretty so he wild. plays with sort of nonsense prose and things mm-hmm. like that, but he's very, very good at it. Um, obviously we talked earlier about, uh, t- Tim Burton did an adaptation, I think, in 2010 of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And also there was the Disney version, 1951. Um, there's actually been so many versions of Alice in Wonderland. If you go to IMDb, I don't know if they have like a, a full list. I will certainly look. Of all the different Alice in Wonderlands. I think the first one... Do you know what? I don't have that information in front of me. So I cannot <laughs> confirm. Uh, I'm sure if you go to IMDB. That's what I use for pretty much It was 51, my... I believe, the first one came out. The first Disney one. Yeah, but that it wasn't the first Alice in Wonderland oh, adaptation. One. Oh, sorry. Oh, right, sorry. There were sorry. ones prior oh, to... Oh, I see. I get you. Uh, in black and white and stuff, so... Oh yeah, I understand. Um, oh yeah, because it's been quite a, po- it's it's been been a popular book yeah. for a long time because in some of the copies we have, because yeah. we mentioned at the start of the show, we have ones yeah. from like quite a long time ago. I and love some them. of them. He's got like letters to children at Christmas and things and like Easter that. And, and, stuff. Um, 
Yeah, and some of them have wee poems. Some of them have, like, Through the Looking Glass as part of the book. Some of them yeah. don't. Um, some of them have bigger illustrations. And I actually have just a copy of Through the, Through the Looking Glass because I said to the guy, it was like this Oxfam, it's like a charity bookshop, and I was like, do you have any copy, old copies of Alice? And I go to the shop pretty regularly, and he was like, That's no. That's why she but... can just say Alice and they know what oh, she's yeah, yeah. Like about. I, I, t- I talked to the guy um, there, and he went, no, but I did put aside for you this, and he pulled out Through the Looking Glass, and I was like, I will have it. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, sold. Because um, that was a copy from, I think, the 20s or 30s. So I would have been daft to go, no, I'm not going to take that from you. Yeah, it was an old one. And you yeah. also got Alice from that time as well, like the same sort of set, because they're basically the same. Yeah, uh-huh. No, they basically are. Um, also as well, I kind of got a sense of a search for identity. That's you know. weird that you're putting this in now because we're wrapping no, just, up. No, just being like all the way through it. I've been talking about that because Alice is always asking who am I and stuff like that. Do you like think that. that's, so that's talking... what comes out the end of the book? She doesn't even... Yeah, it's almost like, you know, some people have said they talk about, especially people they talk about things like spiritual enlightenment and that, but people, not only that, but also understanding how the world kind of works. People talk about it yeah. as waking up and then she literally does She literally does wake up. And then, you know... Everyone talks about, well, a lot of libertarians and stuff and a lot of anarchists talk about the movie They Live. Oh, yeah. When they put on the glasses and they see the world for what it really is. But see, at the start of the short story that that film is based on, he says, when I woke up all the way. Yeah. I think waking up's a good way to put that, when you mm -hmm. wake up to a certain amount of bullshit. Yeah, because then you start to realise that you've kind of been asleep all the time, you know, believing things that the mainstream media has told you, believe that politics was a good thing. And it's funny because I always saw the bullshit on the right side. And I said mm. this to you earlier, I always saw that. And I used to comment on that. Yeah, it's like but then I never saw it on the left. You were kind of blind to the left. I was incredibly blind to leftist propaganda. I was I was very... The, the right stuff, um, the right wing conservative stuff, I was much more aware of. But to but be sort of centre left as in a Scottish, political centre, it's like, like a Scottish, Scottish default thing, position among many. And of I the lived populace. in Canada before then, which is also like quite centre left, I yeah. would say. So anyway, so that's a just a. I think that taking away from from that book, uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, maybe take away the "Who Am I" thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 not a new, um, you know, no, story, but, but the it's thing is, a it's classic kind of. It's asking fable. these questions, and then it makes me think: Is this a good thing? Because Someone's read this as a child. Does this impart? Kind yeah, of a, some or in, uh, yeah. maybe plant a seed in the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like yeah. That like I say, I there. don't remember. Uh, I don't remember reading it when I was little. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't really remember the first time I ever saw the movie. I just always remember knowing mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah, just, it's one of those stories. I just knew what it was. Yeah, there was just something about it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think. Knowing you the way I do, it was probably a lot to do with Alice's attitude as well. You probably yeah. were kind of like I was, a night- no, I, was, I was a nightmare. I was. A I don't mean that in a bad child. way. No, I mean like you're kind of like a sort of natural libertarian, if you want to put it that yeah. way. You were a libertarian I always took before the you knew what of, it, the I, meant. I always took the sense of as long as you're not hurting me. Yep, go ahead, do whatever you want. As long as you're not hurting anyone, that's fine. Excellent. So I think it's a good place yes, to wrap up. It's been I an interesting so. look. Definitely our own unique look at Alice, Alice. in Wonderland. Uh, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Yes, by Lewis Carroll. Um, I'll link it up at the bottom of the show in case you're not familiar with it. In the case book. you've never heard of it. Yeah. Um, I highly suggest you read the book. Yeah, I get it for free. You get it for free in audio. You get it for free and... or you go to a local charity shop, you pick up a, a copy and then you give it back to the charity shop. <laughs> so it's a good way of doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, thanks very much for listening. Uh, for more libertarian podcast writings and news, you can go to greeningitpodcast.co.uk. Yes, thanks so much for listening. Thank you and good night. Bye.